When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Damian Follow here, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Stay safe. Damian, buddy, how are you? I'm good, Brian. How you doing, man? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking our call. Thanks for calling me. I appreciate it. The the one thing I want to mention just briefly to get it out of the way, you were part of the band Rogues Gallery. How did that come about? Uh, that was actually back in the late 80s and early 90s, probably for maybe a five-year period. We uh, we played locally across Newfoundland, and then we excuse me, then we won a couple of uh, couple of contests, and we ended up getting tickets to Toronto, and then we ended up staying in Toronto, and we're based there for probably four or five years, and we traveled across Canada and did the whole thing and had some fun. Then, of course, you went solo. Where did, did you always feel like you should, after they kind of split, was it a, a long decision to think maybe I should go solo, or did you just instantly think, I'm going to do this on my own? Well, I kind of just, I had to uh, sort of make an evolution in my career, I think, because I, I just didn't want to go back to the real world. I didn't want to get a real job. I wanted to continue playing music, so I evolved as a musician, as an entertainer, and began doing a lot of solo stuff, solo shows, and sort of tried. I tried to separate myself from from the pack, if that makes any sense. I kind of just kind of from from evolving as a as an entertainer, and I you know kind of just wanted to keep doing it. Didn't want to give it up. How did it all come about in creating that first solo album? Like, where did you get the connections to to make it happen? Well, I was just always writing, and I mean, in Rogue's Gallery, people don't know this. A lot of my songs didn't get recorded in Rogue's Gallery because we had a couple of a couple of writers who were writing a lot better stuff for the band. But um, a lot of my solo stuff didn't get recorded, so I mean, I always had it in the back burner. I kind of just I, I borrowed money from some people back here in Newfoundland for my first couple of recordings, cut some demos, and then uh, got some investors involved, and just kind of took it from there. There was there was always each step was leading to the next step. It seems like there's always one in the pack that kind of has songs in the back burner. Do you, do you find that you kind of keep them just in case you ever want to go on your own or maybe they don't fit the style of the band? So you're thinking, if I go on my own, at least I've got songs ready and prepared? Yeah, I mean, in, in the band, I was, I mean, I, I, was never, I was never upset the fact that my, a lot of my songs weren't getting recorded because, I mean, I, the guys that wrote the songs were writing phenomenal stuff. I mean, and it suited the style we were doing. Um, my stuff really didn't at that point, but I was the voice of the band, which was which was amazing, and I got to sing all these great songs, so that was all cool. But yeah, I always had stuff, you know. I mean, kind of like I mean, I was going to do solo stuff eventually, whether the band stayed together or not. I was going to go off on my own and do some stuff because I had I had material, and I you know I've always written, so there was always there was always material there. I think. I know the song No Second Chances. I, I don't know it necessarily word for word, but I know it yep. enough that it, it stays with you. I'm 25 now, but I remember yep. I used to watch NTV when I was smaller, and I, I could almost time it to a T that when the Adams Family ended, and then there would be Inspector Gadget on around 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock. But yep. in between that, NTV used to play 
songs instead of commercials. And I remember right. every time they used to play the No Second Chances, and I said, you know what? Maybe I was only maybe five or six at the time, but I really liked the song. And I said, if I ever do get the chance to interview this guy, I really want to bring that up to him. Yeah, well, that, that's cool. A lot of people have mentioned those that exact uh, what you're talking about with, with, the, with the video. I mean, the song has, it, it, over the years, it, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. I mean, it's, it's, I've, you know, I've really milked it over the years because I've, I've yeah. built my career around that and a few more songs. But that in particular with video, the video was on, you know, country music television for a couple of years in rotation and on MTV, as you said, here locally. And, I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, some people have told me stories where the song has, has really changed their lives and, you know, gotten them interested in music and things like that. Kids have come up to me, you know, probably your age, Brian, and they've, they've told me stories of how they've, again, they were young kids and they saw the video and they heard the story of how, you know, what I was doing and it inspired them. So I think I think it's pretty cool to have that, you know, as part of, I guess, part of your, your musical legacy, I guess. And where was it all shot to, and like, how'd you come up with that idea? The video was shot up in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, that was back, I guess, in the late '90s. Uh, the song was based basically based on, you know, like homeless. I mean, the homeless people on the streets and and things like that. And you know, just just the story of how. I mean, everybody has a story, and and stories are not always as tragic as they look. You know, and and sometimes there's there's hope involved. And I just tried to write the song. I mean. It, it's not about the song is is not about literally getting no second chances. It's about you know make sure you you take advantage of your chance because there might be there might not be a second chance to do something you really want to do. So you know follow your dreams and that's that's kind of what it's about. The shots that are taken in the in the song as well and just the whole video aspect of it. Whose idea was it to do it in kind of the gray format? That uh, was I guess the director. The director's name was Charlie. I can't remember his last name. I guess it was 20 years ago when the video was shot. But it was up in Nova Scotia. Warfrat Productions was the company. Don't know if they're still on the go. Honestly, I have no idea. But uh, it was their idea to shoot it in sort of that grayer, you know, the old school kind of footage. And I think it really worked and gave, you know, gave the uh, gave the song legs. Yeah, no, I mean, that's one thing that really uh, that stood out for, for me, even when at a young age. Because, I mean, we... We had color TV. We had sure. color. And then just to watch it, I mean, the message that sent along with just the style of the video all clashed together. But the one aspect I want to ask, too, is because you grew up in Placentia. Yep. Why did you choose Nova Scotia to film it and not here in Newfoundland? Uh, basically, the, the company that was paying for the video flew me to Nova Scotia and, and did the video up there. They wanted it done up there with Warfrat Warf Productions, who were doing some good stuff at the time. It was They didn't really want to get it done here. and. It was just—it was, wasn't my choice. I mean, honestly, I—I I had nothing to do with that. Okay, I got you. Kind of like, here's where we're shooting. This is where you're going. Here's your flight information. <laughs> I think it's the, the 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 cool thing here about Newfoundland too, and I mean, it's helpful in a way that you're getting more exposure from Newfoundlanders because it's no longer just a, a one-trick pony or people coming. Because I remember when I was younger, it used to be, in order to succeed, you had to go out west or you had to go to right. Ontario. But guys like. Rick Mercer, Johnny Harris, Ennis Sisters. I'll, I'll put you in there as well because as soon as, I, as someone told me about that video being a Newfoundlander, yeah, it was on TV, but it was also on CMT. Yes, and exactly. CMT at the time was, you, you'd have like your Tim McGraws and that's your right. Garth Brooks. And I was like, no way, that's not yep. possible. I'm like, a Newfoundlander made CMT? And they yeah. were just they're like, yeah. And, I, and that's, I guess, kind of clued into me that you don't necessarily have to 
move away from home to no. be successful? I mean, uh, Alan Doyle still lives here. He's he's one of the biggest exports we've got. <laughs> he's killing it all over the world. And uh, I mean, he's 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 basically he's, look. He's, he tells us he's never really wanted to move away. Just wanted a career in music and through hard work and dedication. I mean, you know, whether you're a fan of the music or not, you got to respect what the guy what the guy has done. You've been doing the solo act since, I guess, the mid '90s. What's what's your latest projects? Um, new new CD was released probably. Well, latest CD was released last year. It was called Hey God. A uh, bunch of uh, new songs and um, some some old tracks too. Some some classic tracks. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, you know, just working on that. I did a uh, did a DVD with um, Record Time Productions, Rick Hollett and Jerry Boland from Jerry Boland Productions, videographer. Uh, that's that's my first traditional Newfoundland project. It's, I wrote the uh, the songs, Jerry did the videography, and Rick did the production. So it was a three-way project. We've got that released as well. So lots of fun stuff going on. And, I mean, I'm writing constantly for Nashville, demoing stuff. I have a professional sound plugger working for me in Nashville, uh, Chris Keaton. He's a he's a solid guy. He's uh, He believes in what we're doing, and he's trying to get a big old hit song for us. <laughs> Does it ever come to a point, and, I mean, no disrespect in asking this, but does it ever come to a point that you just think, what's the point anymore? Or is it just that you you like it, you'll do it, and then you just kind of hope for the best? Yeah, you, I mean, I mean, honestly, I don't think any of us set out in this business to make millions of dollars. I mean, if you're lucky enough to get the big breaks, you're going to make a lot of money. That's that's just the way the business is. It's it's a it's a good paying job if you can do it well. But I mean, I've been fortunate enough to make a, a good living here at home. But with regards to Nashville. Excuse me, I don't, I don't think I'll ever stop doing it. I mean, because I pay the guy. You know, it's not a, it's not, I'm not spending a fortune of money. I'm not breaking the bank. He knows that, you know, realistically, we don't know what's going to happen. He believes in it, too. So he's putting his, his, you know, his goods on the line, too, his talent on the line, too. So we're just going to keep doing it, man. And you know what? I'm, we're, in, we're, in, we're in all of the camps down there. The songs are in the right places. But it's still a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to work. The songs that you're putting out are they mostly are they country based or are they all are, are they kind of like a, a folklore type or? For Nashville, it's more of the country country based. Some some are kind of folk Americana, but but a lot of stuff is is country based for Nashville. And I mean, honestly, what is country music these days, Brian? Nobody nobody can really put a finger <laughs> on that. No, I mean that, that's fair. It, it's it's one of those things that. If I ever had, if I ever have her on an interview, I'd be intrigued to kind of tell her the truth that, uh, you know, everyone looks at Taylor Swift as if to say she's the big crossover from country to to pop, but yeah. I'm looking and saying, no, we we did it before Taylor Swift. We had Shania Twain. Shania, totally. Oh my God. Shania Twain was our big co- crossover. I mean, you you listen to whose whose bed has your shoes been under, and I'm yeah. like, that's country. And then the next minute it was up, and I yeah. was like, okay, that's a little bit more pop, but. It's you're right because even guys like Keith Urban, which is another one that I listen to, he started off country, but now every now and again it's a pop feel. Um, it totally is, and and the concerts are rock concerts. I mean, yeah. there's, there's lights and flames and explosions and smoke and there's there's everything. It's loud guitars. It's they're rock concerts, man. It's you know it's rock music with a twang. When you were growing up, what was what was music like when you were growing up? Who inspired you to kind of pick up a guitar? Well, I mean, I was into Springsteen from a young age, Springsteen, Kiss, and all the, the classics in the 70s. But also here locally, the one for Grand Band, Glenn Simmons, Ron Hines, Sandy Morris, all those guys. There you go. 
I mean, once you realized, again, I didn't know that what that they were from here when when I heard about them, and then when I went to see a couple of shows when I was I was in my teens, I got in, I was sneaking in clubs underage to watch those guys in St. John's, and seeing them and watching, and I mean, Tommy Sexton with the wonderful grand band, Greg Malone, those two guys, the the power of what they were doing, it was like, man, this is this is so cool, this is, and it's amazing, and and it's kind of they they kind of paved the way for for all of us, you know. I mean, John Hutton, 12 gauge back in the 70s, you know, some of the early recordings here in Newfoundland. But uh, yeah, man, all those guys. I mean, you know, from from Springsteen to Ron Hines and everything in between. It for me, it's old school, you know. You gotta have an inspiration somewhere. It's just kind of interesting to me that you mentioned about Kiss, for example, and Springsteen. Did you ever try to model, I guess, your playing style after them? Man, I wanted to be kids. When I, when I, listen, when I people will tell you this to this day. When people come up to me and they see me performing, whether it's in a small place by myself or with a band at a concert, you know, in a choir or an orchestra, whatever it is, they'll always tell me the same thing: you put off the show, no matter if there's two people or twenty thousand. And I get that from from Kiss years ago. It was like they they always played. Gene Simmons used to always say they always played Wembley. No matter when they started out at high schools back in New York, to arenas, they were always playing big concerts. They always thought in their mind, like, like now I get up on stage now and it's like, you know what? I'm going to be the best show these people have seen in a long time, whether I'm by myself or with a band on stage. So that came from watching Kiss and knowing about their philosophy of like, every night, man, put out, deliver, deliver the best you can do. It's interesting because some people in the industry I know, they, they just go on the stage and they'll pretty much be like, oh, if there's only like five or ten people, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take it easy. Or if, they're, if it's a sold-out crowd, they play harder. But I always find it entertaining and encouraging when someone says, I don't know, I, I don't care how many are there. I do it for myself. I do it because I like it. And I do it to entertain as many people as there are there. And plus, I mean, I want those two people. If there's two people in the club... Yeah. I want them to walk away saying that guy was friggin' awesome. That, that was that was unreal. I want them to say that. I want and I want. Listen, I might not be the best, but I want people to think I am the best. Yeah, you want to get noticed, right? Because you That's want it. You, it, it's the the way it is now. Especially, I, it, it kind of helps, I guess, depending on who you are. But everything is spread through the word of mouth and social media. If I went to a show tonight and I seen you play, and I said, uh, "Oh, this guy killed it!" Like. He he was either the opening act or the main act, and I'd say this guy killed it. It was great, and I tweet at it, and I say like hashtag follow music. Then someone yeah. else might say I was at that concert. I totally agree with that, and then retweet it. And then what happens yeah. is it just gets retweeted. People see it, and then the next minute it's someone. Yeah. it just things falls spread, in the right hands. Yeah, things spread so fast these days, Brian. I mean, it's it's crazy how fast things get out there. You know. So that's the thing. And, and look, the bottom line, too, you have to realize these days when you're performing, you might be in St. John's, Newfoundland, but the guy in the back can tweet that to his friend in New York City or Japan yeah. instantly. And he can say, this either sucks or this is really good and memorable. And if I could, the only advice I, I, give, I give young musicians when they ask me for some advice, because, I mean, I don't know what's going to be a hit song. <laughs> I don't know how to write a hit song. I'm, just, I'm still trying to figure it out. I just You do your best you can. But, but I always say, show up deliver and be great don't just be good man be great yeah people will notice and they'll appreciate you and you'll you'll have a career 
Yeah, it, it's and I think you can apply that for for anything, right? Because I mean, it's yes. it's like if you want to be good at public speaking or good at you know hockey or any or any sport yeah. or any musician, like just don't half ass it. Kind of you really got to go in and really try at it. Yes, man. That's look. You even I mean even the greatest hockey player of all time, mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky, used to be the last one off the ice with the Oilers. Practice, practice, practice. Keep shooting. Keep keep do, yeah. Just keep doing it, man. You know, like people ask me how how I can play play the guitar the way I play it. You know what? Play it for twenty thousand hours. Just do it continuously, and 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 even today, keep learning, keep better, keep getting better. The final thing I want to mention too is, what do you think of the whole state of Newfoundland music and folklore in general? Because I mean, we've seen some great acts come out of Newfoundland in the past and present. You we mentioned about Alan Doyle, uh, the Ennis Sisters, and whatnot, but. Do you still think that there's more talent in Newfoundland that could be exposed? Oh my God, that's that's such a such a, a loaded question, Brian. There's listen, I've I've often said over the years, if if we had an industry like there is in in Nashville or in I don't know some other places maybe, but Nashville, I always think of Nashville, where they they find the the, the super talent and then they push them to the max. Like we just don't have that that vision here with, with our music industry. I mean, the talent is all here, but over the years, there's been so many things that have been overlooked because of, I call it lack of, lack of vision and absolute belief that we can take on the world and, you know, basically get anything out that we can compete with anybody. It's, it's funny. I, I just, I just think there's so much more to be done, you know? And I mean, for, for me, what I'm trying to do in Nashville has never been done. There's never been a Newfoundlander who's had a, had a hit song on the Billboard charts in the United States of America. It's never been done. Mm. Not Ron Hines, not Alan Doyle. It's like, why not me? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's... Jimmy, Jimmy Rankin, I don't know if Jimmy Rankin mentioned uh, a guy named Gordy Sampson in his interview, but I mean, Gordy Sampson is a prime example. He's from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. He has a, a Grammy in Nashville for songwriting. Oh, wow. So if Gordy Sampson can do it, why not Jimmy Rankin? Why not... Alan Doyle, why not Damien Follett? Man, that's okay. a, and that's a good appro- do it. that's a good approach to have, right? Because I mean, you, you if you, if you go into the mentality of saying, "Oh, I didn't get it, I didn't do it," or "It's been so long and it's not going to happen," then of course it's not going to happen. Yeah, man, it's, and and I mean, the fact is, again, it's a guessing game. Like you put your songs out there, you pitch the songs. You know, you you pretty much have to pitch all of them, really, because you don't know what someone is going to like as an artist and want to record. So you just absolutely push it, man. Push it to the max, and, you know, someday it might, it, you know, it might just happen for you. Just find some believers. I mean, like, play, play the songs for people, and that doesn't mean your, your mom and your, your sister because they're going to support you and love you. <laughs> but, I mean, get some, get some honest opinions. You know, make, make friends with people. It's a relationship business. I mean, don't be an ass. You know, don't be a know-it-all. Make sure you're always learning and wanting to learn. Take the advice from people. You don't have to use all the advice, but take it all with respect and just and work your ass off because it's, it's a tough business, but it's a beautiful business too, man. It really is. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Damien Follett for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying... You may not get second chances in life, but let's say you do, don't blow them. 
learn from the first, and continue to grow. Thanks for listening, and good night. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.